What's up? This is Criminal Perspective. I'm Chris. In just a minute, I'll be joined by Casey Morrow, who is an actress decoy on a couple of the Dateline to Catch a Predator investigations in 2006-2007. She was on the one in New Jersey and the one in Kentucky, and she's going to talk about her experiences on To Catch a Predator and what she's up to now. And she was really fun to talk to. If anybody doesn't know what To Catch a Predator is, just go to YouTube and type in To Catch a Predator. To Catch a Predator was a series from NBC Dateline in 2006-2007. And basically what they did was there was a vigilante group who would talk to adults who were meeting underage children in chat rooms and online. And they would set up a meeting with these children only to come to the house to find out that it's Dateline NBC doing an investigation on adults who try to meet children on the internet for sex. And then when they leave, they get arrested because the local police are doing a parallel investigation. So it's a pretty crazy show. But Casey was awesome. I want to say thanks again to her for doing this. I'm going to take a quick commercial break and then jump right over to the interview with Casey Morrow. Shelter Farm Sanctuary is a registered 501c3 nonprofit vegan 10-acre farm animal sanctuary located in Arcadia, Florida. They rescue animals from neglect, abuse, abandonment, and slaughter situations, providing a safe forever home where they can live free from exploitation, pain, or fear. Shelter Farm Sanctuary currently has 80 residents, including 18 pigs, 4 cows, 8 goats, 25 chickens, 4 sheep, 10 ducks, 2 turkeys, 6 dogs, a cat, and a 180-pound African sulcata tortoise. If you'd like to learn more about their mission, their animal friends, or the way you can support the sanctuary, you can find them on Instagram at Shelter Farm Sanctuary, on Facebook at Shelter Farm Sanctuary, or on their website at www.shelterfarmsanctuary.org. On their website, you can find information for volunteer opportunities, sponsorships, information on veganism, and ways to donate to the sanctuary via Patreon, Venmo at Shelter Farm Sanctuary. You can check out their GoFundMe, their PayPal, their Facebook. All of this is on their website website at shelterfarmsanctuary.org. So please go check it out now. Together we can make a difference for animals in need. Established in 2015, Deep Search Tattoo is Jeffersonville, Indiana's longest running tattoo studio. Whether it be traditional, black and gray realism, flash, or new school, they have you covered. Deep Search Tattoo is an accredited safe place, the first tattoo studio in the country to do so and they feature a variety of award-winning tattoo artists from all over the country. Deep Search Tattoo is located in Williamsburg Station in the main shopping district of Jeffersonville. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Deep Search Tattoo, or stop by any day to set up an appointment for your next piece. Joining me now is Casey Morrow. (laughs) Casey, I can't help but laugh. Because one of my friends, and, and this is the first thing that I'm thinking about, by the way, just to, I, I've already introduced this, but you were on a, a few of the To Catch a Predator shows as the decoy actress. Which ones were you on? You were in New Jersey and Kentucky? Correct. Yep. Right on. Um, so <laughs> first of all, one of my friends wanted me to ask you, did you bake those cookies that you gave to the Predators? They were brownies. Brownies? What, was it brownies on your episode? It was. And oh, you had the stale ones. Okay, so there's a story with the stale brownies. Let me redeem my brownies here. 
they were meant to have good intentions. And we had a box of Betty Crocker brownies ready to be made. House smells great. Offer some brownies. Um, quick cooking lesson. When you cook brownies and leave them overnight, you should cover them with something and not leave them out on the counter for oxygen well, yeah. to them into rock hard stones. And that is precisely what happened to my great brownies. You know, I think I think it's pretty awesome that you tried to feed uh, sexual predators stale brownies. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you should be eating stale brownies with your stale ways. Totally. So because they would do anything I told them, basically. Yeah. So 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 hold on. Let's let's get to that, because. OK, so I have so many questions because I'm obsessed with to catch a predator. So I don't even know where to start. Okay, so when you're not filming and you're waiting around for one of these uh, computer predators to show up, is, is that what I call them? Should I call them something else? Um, yeah, we could say they are predators. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't want to call everybody a pedophile. That's not. Yeah, no, and and I don't think that's that's a clinical term, and I don't think it applies to everybody we're talking about. So we'll we'll call them predators. So when you're waiting around for them to show up. What did you do? Did you like take naps or what did you do? Well, when we were in New Jersey, we were at my Nana's house and we were right on the beach and I, I love the beach. I love the ocean. So I could stare out the window at the ocean when I needed a mental break because it's pretty heavy situation and my stomach was in butterflies and knots the whole time. I ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> and I did a couple of puzzles. Like jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, like puzzle puzzles, because here's the thing. So we had a schedule, right? So we um, had them scheduled like, hey, this one's coming at this time. This one's coming at this time. Guess what? Nobody follows a damn schedule. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. So if they say they're coming at eight, they may show up at four. They may not show up at all. They may show up at two in the morning. So you always kind of had to be on call, hmm. regardless of what the schedule was. So I couldn't really take a nap because I never knew when someone was actually coming. And again, like it was pretty nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. So it's really hard to relax and take a nap knowing that you don't know what is going to happen in the next moment. Um, but yeah, I did some puzzles. I think my mom had probably got me at the time, like teen magazine or, you know, one of those like brainless kinds of situations. And How are you were you were what, 19 at that time? I was eight. 18 for New Jersey and then I was 19 by the time we went to Kentucky. And and you said in New Jersey that was your, that was your grandmother's house? Yeah, so my nana lived um had a house right on the beach and that's how so the show that's what they do they rent out a house in an optimal area for what they're looking for. And they you they wanted to use my nana's house and that's how I got involved because my um my dad or my uncle actually is a realtor and suggested the house to NBC. And then my dad came down to do like, you know, the paperwork and all that mm. official renting out the house for two weeks or whatever it was. And they were explaining the show to my dad. And they said, you know, we hire an actress from L.A. who is of age but looks younger. And my dad was like, oh, my daughter's 18 and she looks like she's 12. And I happened to be on the cover of a dance costume catalog that year that he carried around in his truck. So he went to his truck and pulled out the magazine and was like, see, this is her. And apparently they were like, we want to meet her. So your dad signed you up as bait for sexual predators. Yeah, my dad threw me under the bus. 
Way to go, Dad. So have any of these guys tried to, like, contact you from jail or any weird shit like that? No. Yeah, that'd be, that. I don't know, that'd be really, really crazy. Which one stood out to you the most that, that you came face to face with? They're all exceptional in their own ways. But I would say What about the what about the the former cop that got the shit tased out of him? Oh, yeah. Um, so he thought the whole thing was a big joke. I'm pretty sure I think that was his birthday too. <laughs> In Thousand, Kentucky. So yeah. he was a former cop and he lost he blue lighted somebody, I think it's called. I'm not exactly sure the why he lost his ability to be a cop, but he still had like his gun and everything. And he was very outright saying like, yeah, I have my gun. I always carry it with me, blah, blah, blah. So obviously like, are we going to let this guy into a house who says he always carries a gun? Not great, but yeah. you know, they were like, Hey, he says he always carries his gun. If you're not comfortable with that, you know, let us know, but it would make great TV. So I was like, <laughs> if you get shot, those ratings will skyrocket. Oh yeah. And um, yeah. Exactly. But no, uh, they were, they're very good about like, if I really didn't want to have this guy come in the house, I didn't have to let him in. And so what we did, we had, um, so Ron Knight, awesome security guard. He like verbally talked me through how to do like a gun check on somebody. Did you have an earpiece in? I did. Yeah. Mm. And so in my ear, he was saying, okay, because I had my head like peeked out the door when this guy showed up. And I wasn't going to let him in the house. And he thought it was a big joke. This guy is like, I was like, do you have your gun? He's like, yeah. no, it's in the car. And I was like, I don't believe you. And so uh, I was like, lift up your shirt. And in my ear, you know, he's telling me, like, tell him to turn around because there's cameras on him. So the police and everybody are watching the cameras as I'm verbally telling this dude, you know, in the front of the house to, like, lift up his shirt, turn around, lift up his pants to check all the spots that he could possibly have his gun on him. And then in my ear, they're like, okay, like he looks like pretty clean, nothing on him. You can let him in if you want. So that's when he got to come into the house. But it was definitely like it ups the stakes, just the thought of bringing a gun into the house. Granted, you know, they said, like, Chris Hansen wears a bulletproof vest. I do not. Did he? Yeah. Holy shit, I had no idea. And I was like, whoa. So in New Jersey, the first time the guy, the first guy came early and I didn't know what I was doing. I still had no idea. I'd never watched the show. They were just like, you have to talk to them. That was my instruction. Um, and everyone disappeared. And Chris is putting on a bulletproof vest. I was like. <laughs> you're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And your dad's like, no, you're going to fucking do it. No, at that point, my dad was not allowed in the house. He was down at the police station, probably shitting his pants at this point. <laughs> He's like, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my God. But. They were like, you're not a threat to them, but if Chris Hansen comes out, he could be my dad, right? So that would be threatening to them. Yeah. They wanted to do all kinds of sort of crazy things with me before they were going to kill me. And I was like, okay, that's fair. They probably wouldn't kill me right away. And on that, that was not, that's not their intentions. Where That's yeah. not where their mental capacity is at. That's not where their frontal lobe inhibitions are taking place. So, yeah. So the guy who did bring the gun, it was like, okay, this could get real, real fast and not a cute way. But I could tell at that point I was very experienced with pedophile predators. <laughs> you come face to face with at least two dozen of them by that point. So, I mean, you're pretty much a expert. We had, I think, like 33 in New Jersey. So oh I had God. 33 under my belt before we went to Kentucky. And um, 
he just wanted a hug really bad. I think he wanted a birthday hug and I was going to give it to him, but he, you know, I was comfortable to let him in the house and he was not going to harm me. Hold on, hold on real quick. So what was, what was the thing like as far as hugging him or touching him or anything like that? Was that left to your discretion or was it like, no, absolutely not. Or how did that go? So there was no touching. There was no close contact. Hence the reason there was always a bar between the two of us or Mm -hmm. they were sitting in a really deep chair or New Jersey up on the beach because I know I can get up from a chair a lot faster than these guys. And I never would sit in a chair. I would sit on the edge of a chair if I sat down. So they were at a disadvantage. If they were to like lunge at me or something, I was going to be gone way before they could get close to me. They would ask and I would just say no. Yeah. Right. They'll do whatever I say. Oh my gosh. So I have like the power and there's power in your hand. Um, so I was taught and it worked like a charm wherever, if I was like, sit there, they would follow my hand, like a cat following a laser. That's so crazy. Did you know a lot about them by the time they came? Were you keeping up with the chat logs and the phone calls or everything? Or were you just kind of tucked away eating your peanut butter sandwiches and doing your jigsaw puzzles and they're like, all right, we got a sexual predator outside for you, Casey. And you're like, all right, cool. And and just like same thing for everybody. Or did you kind of have little things for each one that individualized the interaction? So both perverted justice was the group that was actually doing the chatting and yeah, they would try and fill me in or I would grab the transcript. So I kind of knew number one, my name, because I was, multiple little girls right and I looked like none of them there was like this little blonde pixie and I was like that is not me and they would call us <laughs> I get here get to the house and they'd be like I thought you had blonde hair and I'd be like great I dyed it and they're like oh great you look wonderful come on in that easy huh yeah they mm. some of them would just explain the entire show to me as well be like oh I thought you were the cops because there's this show on the news and I was like I'm 12 I don't watch the news enlighten me <laughs> and they would go through the whole thing and tell me step-by-step step what happens on this show. And I was like, huh. You've got to be fucking kidding me. How, how did, were they that good at hiding everyone and everything and the cops being hidden? Because I mean, you have a whole fucking TV production crew and Chris Hansen and cops and, and these guys have seen the show and they're telling you about the show yet. They have no idea. That is what I call no frontal lobe inhibitions. So do you think they were just being kind of like their dick took over and they're being kind of willfully ignorant or, you know, kind of had this idea to the forefront that they're like, you know, it's not that. And the chances are so slim. This is totally going to be a 12 year old girl who wants to bang me. Do you think that they really thought that? Or I mean, how do you how do you do you think that they were suspicious or could have been more suspicious? I don't know. I just I'm so perplexed by this. I, I truly believe that they, in their minds, they have validated this is okay, whether it be because they don't have enough self esteem to like talk to a girl their age, a younger girl who's 12. It's like, Oh, I can be your daddy and all this stuff that puts them in a place of power and confidence. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for them to socialize. Um, and again, if they are on like, you know, when you're on a mission for something, sometimes you don't see what's happening around you because you're mm-hmm. literally vision because these guys are walking up the house like cops are just crouched in the bushes like like you said how do you not see that or in the backyard they had they built like a little outdoor shower kind of thing that some cops are in you can see their feet on the bottom (laughs) if you're 
focused on what they just wanted little girl. Like I said, I didn't even look like half these little girl pictures that they have come up with, but they didn't care. They just saw little girl. She's letting me in her house. She said her parents are out at the movies or whatever. So I'm coming in and some of them were skeptical. They, you know, they'd walk in like, I know I shouldn't be here, but I'm going to look around. And all they needed was my face for the validation. Yeah. And again, I don't think it's, I honestly, I truly believe that they have neurological issues in their frontal lobe where we know like, Hey, a red light means stop when you're driving. Right. We, we know that they do not have that functioning properly enough for them to say, Hey, this is illegal or this is not right. I should not be banging a 12 year old girl. I should not drive six hours on my motorcycle from another state to bang a little girl. But they will come up with every excuse to validate it. And then to see my face show up at the door and let them in, I'm enabling them technically. Yeah, yeah. So now in their head, when they see you and they come in, they're like, oh, this is totally okay now. Right. Because I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like, welcome. I'm not like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Were there any parts that any oh shit moments you had where where you were legitimately scared or like fuck i don't feel good about this d- during one of the interactions um yeah a lot of them because i i'm a performer so i'm like let's do rehearsals and then we have dress rehearsal and then you have the show and they said we will guide you through what to do before the first guy comes we'll do a little rehearsal well, guess what? That guy showed up a couple hours early. We did not get to rehearse. They were like, he's here. And the whole house just dispersed. And I was in the living room by myself and I hear knock, knock, knock at the door. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. Here we go. That like, my stomach was definitely in like knots for days. You could tell though, some of the guy, their eyes, like if you look into somebody's eyes, you can pretty much see into their soul. Right. And you can tell they are laser eyes and some of the guys that had the laser eyes, of they were like completely checked out, but they literally just saw me as a piece of meat. That is the creepiest thing to have someone stare at you that way. That is so unsettling that you say that. The context of it, that you were to them a 12 or 13 year old girl. Holy fuck. That is just so, ugh, I, got, I got like chills. So what was Chris Hansen like? Did you hang out with him? Actually, we got together like less than a year ago. He was out in LA. No shit. What does he smell like? Does he smell good? like a normal human oh that's boring sorry i missed that i'll have to sniff him next time give him the sniff test he was like really great and very good with like because he's obviously done this way more than i have and so he also had a bottle i love the purell in the back like after he would be finished with somebody because they would like these guys are like fans of chris hansen as well because they've seen the show before and so they'd like want to shake his hand and then he would come back and like peer all the crap out of his hand. <laughs> smart. Very smart. Oh my gosh. The question, the way he would ask them and like he went through, so these transcripts, some of these conversations were going on for like days or weeks, whatever. And you know, they would print them all out and he would read all of them and highlight and make sure he was like, you said this, like he wasn't making stuff up. He was basically just like reiterating and clarifying you know, what these guys had said in their intentions. So, so that, that wasn't an assistant or anybody from production that was giving him the notes and all that. That was him that was sitting down and highlighting all these things, getting ready for the confrontation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy. Very professional. Oh yeah. Really, really professional. And again, and then like, you know, it's like a pretty heavy matter when these things are happening. So like 
Well, we weren't on set. Like we would crack jokes. Everyone, we had our ways of dealing with the seriousness of it, right? Or the sure. grotesque situations of which which we were being put in. And my favorite was so then South Park made an episode about it, and it came out when we were in Kentucky. And I remember my brother. My brother told me about it, and I'm like. Okay, so they got a hold of it somehow and we're in the control room and I'm like standing next to Chris Hansen watching this and they're like making fun of like the way he, you know, like have a seat over here and whatever South Park likes to do. And like, it's hilarious. You can't not laugh at it. Right. And that's fine. But like Chris is right next to me. and I'm like, is it rude if I laugh? Is it not? (laughs) You could tell like everyone's just like holding it in. And then like Chris started to laugh and then like the whole room busted out laughing and (laughs) watching it. (laughs) You make it sound like he's this tyrant and everybody's just scared shitless of him. They're like, we can't laugh until Hanson laughs. <laughs> well, you know, like I didn't want to be rude and be like laughing. But if you laugh, there's a difference between laughing at somebody and laughing with somebody. Right. Yeah. So we were laughing all together. I bet he was out there laughing. He was like, yeah, it's hilarious. And then when he went back to his hotel, he was like, I'm going to fucking get each and every one of them. I mean, everyone's going to have their opinion, right? Like like the shit that goes on the internet to this day. Like, dude, that was 2007. We're in 2020 right now. We're we're in a pandemic in 2020. And you're really commenting on YouTube videos about like my, my troll face. Like, <laughs> Did people say you have a troll face? Oh, yeah, you should see, like... God, they should see me. For... <laughs> Bad news. It'd be like, if you are call me a troll, at least say I have, like, a cool gem belly button or something. <laughs> so, did you have... This is so weird. I don't know why I think of this shit. Did you have, like, wardrobe and, like, stylists or people there to make you look younger? Or were they just like, hey, try and recreate how you looked when you were 12? Well, um, I haven't grown much since then, so <laughs> I just the same damn thing that I always have. And I asked them that because I, again, like I come from a performer background. So I'm like, you know, when they first asked me to do this, when I realized, um, so let me backtrack. When they asked my dad for to meet me, he didn't tell me what was going on. He just called me. It was spring. And he was like, hey, I got a gig for you. Not even close. He was like, hey, I have some friends at Nana's that want to meet you. Will you come down? I was in like my sweats. I was a freshman spring break college. I was just like chilling. So I go down there in my sweatpants and he's standing with three people in like trench coats. And that's just, we come from a beach town. That's not my, you know, our style really. And I'm like, who the hell are you people? Right. Thinking it's like, you know, when parents are like, I want you to meet so-and-so and they'll be like, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Look how much you've grown. I thought yeah. that was a situation. No. So I'm like, who the hell are you? And they were like, you're hired. And I'm <laughs> like, you're kidding. Like what's going on here? And then they're like, um, you know, I'm, Lynn, I'm the producer from Dateline NBC. And then I was like, oh, put on my professional pants. And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you already had the gig at that point. I was like, do I have wardrobe? Do I have to look a certain way? She's like, you're great. Just the way you are. Like, wear what you wear. And so um, I did. I always had on like a hoodie or a hat and a sweatshirt or something. Because, I mean, it was March on the beach. It was kind of chilly. And Mm. also I had hidden microphones. And then I got to play with some really cool camera things. So I would wear like a button on my shirt would be an actual camera or I'd have a clutch under my arm and there was a camera in there. So I learned how to use all of these like secret cameras. So they got different angles and to pick up sound. But um, yeah, crazy. I still wear like the same sweatshirts. So I'm actually, you know, it's really funny. I'm wearing the shorts I'm wearing right now are the shorts that I wore in Kentucky. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> They're great that... shorts. They last. 
That is so weird. And we're, we're talking about to catch a predator and it's just, it's just meant to be. So how much interaction did you have with the cops? Because they were doing a parallel investigation. So did you have any interaction with the police? Yeah. I mean, they were, they were right there because they were the ones who actually had to do the arrests and everything because it took place in their town. I had, I guess, a private security guard and I'm mm. pretty sure they were with the police, not NBC. There was the head security guard from NBC, Ron Knight, amazing, taught me a lot, like self-defense wise, as far as, again, like, keep your distance, use your finger to point if you want. Did he have a gun on him? Uh, yeah. I always wanted to know that. He's the white hair guy, right? Yeah. And there was a guy who was, like I said, like my personal bodyguard. He was in the room with me behind like a tall cabinet. And when I did, like their hands were on their guns ready, especially when we were doing the guy who had the gun. He had, his hand was like on my belt loop. It's like, you know, God forbid this guy does like pull a gun and start ripping on you. He was going to like pull me back. I could feel it like right on the back of my shirt or my shorts, whatever it was there. He was like right there with me. So they like definitely had my back in the best way that they possibly could. And then the police, you know, I would like say hi to them and stuff, but they were either outside or waiting in cop cars down the street for the arrests and all that. And I like knew most of the cops in New Jersey because our town's like yay big but I I met them in Kentucky but I didn't like personally know them yeah you know we would like I would talk to them and stuff we're all human doing we're all here and together on lockdown for until they all show up and whatnot what do you think about the show I mean after you did it and you watched it what were your thoughts I was like, that's not what actually went down TV fakes everything did they edit the shit out of it they definitely I mean, they have to. If they didn't edit it, it would have been longer than like a season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. But just as interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> um, they they highlighted what they wanted to highlight, you know, but a lot of things went left, not shown for maybe. I'm sure there was a lot of reasons as far as like they couldn't show certain things or, um, you know, if the guys are saying certain things, it's like not appropriate for television. You know, like my grandma's going to be watching this. Everybody watched it with her, actually. Did you watch it with your grandma? Yeah, because it... Did you watch it in the house that you did the sting in? No. <laughs> we watched it in my house house. We actually, we had like a... My dad had like a predator party because we had people over. <laughs> that sounds so bad. A predator party. After you've just dealt with like four dozen sexual predators, your your dad's like, oh, I have a predator party. You're like, no, no more predators. Well, I think I just actually made that. I don't know what... It, but we had like some people over because it thundered and lightning that light and like the TVs went out like right before the show started. And I was like, see, guess not meant to watch it. But I have friends, we were all in college, right? So I remember my guy friends, they were down at Flagler in Florida. Oh, you know Flagler, you're in Florida. Yeah. They were like, we're having predator parties. And I remember my friend Chavo being like, I know her, like Casey's one of my good friends. And all of his friends were like, what, you know her? And he's like, we were having predator parties. What did your dad think about it? I mean, he was, he was there, or he was in the police station the whole time because they had a live feed going through from the police station so they could, you know, know when to come with cop cars and all that. Let's just say, I think he was like, what did I do? Since the show, like, what's life been like for you? I mean, is that, do you still get recognized from that? Um, so that was 2007. Right after it aired, I was working, my parents have an outdoor furniture store. So I was working for my parents and people would come in the store and be like, wait, what is that? You know? Um, and then I moved to New York City that fall as well 
And so people would recognize my voice, I guess, is very distinct. It is. That I went to go see, oh, my friend Angela and I went to go see the movie premiere of Sweeney Todd. And a producer walked up to me and was like, I know you from somewhere. <laughs> I had no idea who this guy was, by the way. I've been the worst with like actors and names and direct, like famous people. You could like walk straight up into me and I'll have no idea who you are. Yeah. And so he's like telling me who he is. And he might've been one of the producers or something on Sweeney Todd. Cause it was the premiere in um, New York city. And he recognized my voice and I happened to be wearing the hat that I was wearing, like one of my like Volcom hats or something. You know, you wanted people to notice you as the decoy because you're like, oh, I'm going to go out and dress exactly like I did on To Catch a Predator. <laughs> oh, not even like I wore my the clothes I wore. I truly wore because I was like, I feel most comfortable like this is my sweatshirt. You know, like I needed yeah. something to keep me sane. And then I remember calling my brother because he's really good at this stuff. And I was like, so, so and so. And he like looked him up and he's like, Case, he's like a huge, I forget, it was a producer, director. Really? And he's like, and you just blew him off? I was like, I don't know if he's like a predator too. Like, I'm not just going to like, you know, because um, I did. Like, I definitely put up a guard if someone comes up to me, like a single male comes up to me and be like, oh, you are the girl from To Catch a Predator. That's like. Red flag right away. That's weird. Yeah. Even for someone to comment, you know, like I live in L.A. now and uh, I've had people come up to me and say stuff. Uh, someone actually on their front stoop, I was walking to dance class and some guy was like, hey. And I like looked over and he was sitting on his stoop and he was like, he's like, remember me, bitch, you sent me to prison for 12 years. Yeah, right. No, he was like, I follow you on Instagram. You're the girl or you're Casey from To Catch a Predator. And I was like. Depends who wants to know. <laughs> You're just like, nope, not me. And he's like, it's totally you. I, I, I know that Volcom hat anywhere. <laughs> and I, and I was literally, like, I was in like my sweats and a tank top, like completely unrecognizable in my opinion. Um, and he's like, no, I just want to like thank you for what you did on the show. Like, I thought it was really great. Like, it was a very nice compliment. So it worked out fine. And this was like a year or two ago. Really? That recently? They like do re. I don't know. Do they do reruns? Is there clips? I have. I honestly don't. It's on YouTube. I, I. I kid you not. I watch it on YouTube almost every other week <laughs> because I. I mean, I'm weird and I watch reruns because I know what's going to happen and I, I'm strange. I have very bad anxiety, but I watch it like every other week. So it's 2020 and and I'm like, hey, I want to get one of the To Catch a Predator decoys. So I mean, people are still watching it. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it, it happened. It was 13 years ago. It was a part of my life. If I can clear up any misconceptions, I know there's like very many different opinions on the show and all that. And I'm not about to like dive into any of the legal stuff or not. Like that was not my perspective on the show. That was, yeah. not my, you know, like I'm clearly speaking to you from a experiential perspective of something that I went through and the different kinds of people that I encountered. Was there anybody who wasn't a fan of the show who saw you out in public that was like rude or nasty or mean or anything like that no i've never been like threatened in that way i mean um you know how like youtube comments and stuff can go wild so like when i post stuff on youtube or for like health and wellness and you know i do like these quantum physics talks and all that i have to take off the comments because we're talking about like the quantum field and someone will be like hey kayla marie armstrong <laughs> We're talking about the quantum field. Like, go home. That does suck that you have to deal with that, but that is pretty goddamn funny. Um, yeah, like, I definitely laugh at it, but I also, like... But but you're also like, hey, this is, like, part of my work here. Like, fuck off, you know? 
yeah, and I have no problem saying that to somebody. Like, they know exactly what they're doing here. I'm not trying to, like, thwart your opinion or anything, people. But, like, let's be real. Let's keep things in perspective. I was doing a... I do nutritional counseling and things. And so I did like an Insta- I attempted to do an Instagram live, which I'll never do again. And so, you know, I'm like making my like favorite cookies with like, Oh no. Stuff. And like, it's cool to interact with people, especially when you're in a quarantine. So, and like people are asking legit questions about things and like, I'm, like giving you, telling you about the chia seeds and why I do this and the cacao and whatever. And then like, you know, you get these guys rolling through like, having their own side conversation on the comments of my Insta story or whatever, Insta video thing. Yeah. Talking about the most vulgar things. I was like, I don't even want to eat these cookies looking at this. So I had to delete the whole thing because these comments are like, not even like we're in the kitchen cooking. This is the most wrong place to be talking about like my lady bits right now. And it's like, I'm not 12. Get over it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's so fucking weird. It's, I I don't know. The whole, the whole thing is kind of strange. You got to admit. It is. And it's a, and it's interesting now, so where we currently are, how do you socialize with people? We're back to that whole, not a chat room, but like DMs and things like that. And I definitely get regularly people slipping in my DMs. Like, hey, you're from To Catch a Predator. You know what I mean? Were, were, you really, were you really put off when I got a hold of you? Were you just like, what the fuck is this dude's deal? Like, <laughs> Well, no. So there's a difference between someone writing like a well thought out, like full sentence, like use proper English and grammar here, people. Um, and someone like trying to instigate a, I don't know what they're going for. Got a lot of marriage proposals. I could be married right now if I wanted to. So I know I've got at least the plan B, C, D, E, and F. Yeah. So that's cool. No, not at all. But you know, these are the kinds of things that like, but again, to everyone, their own opinion, I have gotten very good at just ignoring things, letting it go. And you can't really worry about that stuff right people are well, it's it it's crazy you're 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 what 31 now yeah okay so you're 31 now and you still look exactly the fucking same it's scary let me tell you put some rosehip oil on your face get some sunshine drink a lot of water good jeans thanks mom and dad yeah because i am 36 and i look like i'm pushing 50 so i don't know how you do it but you still look like you're 13 which is fucking it's kind of strange but Good for you. Actually, you know, it's really funny. So when I was in or so in California, I was legit getting gas and some guy like approached me and he's like doing his thing. And, you know, he's in the industry. So, of course, he's like, oh, I'm a director and like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. I don't care. I'm not going to sleep with you. So he was then like, wait, are you even old enough to drive? And all <laughs> you realize you're telling me right now that you think I'm underage and you're hitting on me like no welcome to hollywood yeah it's it's funny but like they're you know if you listen to people they'll tell you exactly what they're thinking whether they realize it or not so what are you doing now you still you mentioned that you're still in the industry you're doing nutritional things what's what is all the things that you're involved in currently so currently um the entertainment industry is quite slow right now due to um circumstances so, but I um, also have a degree in biology and neuroscience, and I'm a yoga therapist. So I have combined all of that knowledge to help people live their best life, basically. And my company is called Breathe, Move, Recover. And I do what I like to call a neurological reset or neurological balancing. And this is through 
lifestyle practices. I'm not going to subscribe you any pills. I'm not capable of doing that. I mean, we can make some out of like turmeric or something, put them in one of the gel caps and call it a day. But um, so as a mover, because I've been a dancer my whole life, using your body, so that's the move, the breathe, we can do breathing techniques. The move is we either, I'm a personal trainer, so we can hit the weights real hard or is movement meaning for you, you know, yoga, if you have a chronic disease, I work with a lot of people with chronic disease and illnesses. Hmm. Um, and then recover, nutrition. And so we hit from a very holistic approach, different ways to work with the nervous system to get it into a place where you can be in a repairing and restoring state so your body can help heal itself. And then you become resilient. So if you do need to go into a stressful situation, then you can bring yourself back to this homeostatic state. And um, I love it, it's great. It's everything that I love, right? I love the brain, I love neuroscience. I love the ability to hack into that system without drugs. We can do all these things that drugs can do on our own. It takes a little more effort and it takes a little more time. But like people are like, wait, you don't smoke, you don't drink. Like, how do you, you don't, how are you like this? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, cause you can stimulate those receptors on your own. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Um, to a degree, I guess, basically since I got out of college, I did some behavioral neurological research at Mount Sinai up in New York city. And yeah. we worked with women with postpartum depression and looked at their amygdala and the fear response and the limbic system, which is funny because that's coming back in a big way right now, right? Our fear response from everything that's going on, that's the limbic system. So how do we deal with that? It's cool to have the knowledge, but then it's like, okay, how can you use this? People are like, that's cool. I know I'm stressed or I'm anxious, but what can I do? And that's when I'm like, again, I'm that's, that's where you come in and take all their money and tell them how to chill out. Not even like the big secret is knowing how to hack your nervous system. I mean, how do you hack your nervous system? Tell us the secret. Self into a parasympathetic state and re recognizing like, oh my gosh, I am frozen and scared right now because in the survival instinct, if we were like a rabbit running from a lion, we freeze, right? Mm -hmm. Hence neck muscles. Everyone's like, oh, my neck hurts, my shoulder hurts because we're in this freeze state. And then we go, oh, shit, we better run away. So internally, our body doesn't know if we're actually being chased by a lion or if we're just like creating this grander story in our head. And so our body starts taking all of its blood, going to our outer extremities as if we're preparing to run away. You know, cortisol, norepinephrine, ephrine, all these stress hormones, because that's what we use to run. Right. And then normally we should then, OK, I'm safe from the lion. Let me go take a nap and reset my nervous system so that the blood can go back to my internal organs heal any toxic cells, clear any stagnant lymphatics that are happening. But we don't do that. We stay in this stress mode all the time. And then we're like, let me go on my phone and social media and all of these electronics. That's very stimulating and sympathetic for the brain. That's actually not resting. We may be lying on our bed or sitting on a chair, but we're still in this state. And it's like running your car down. If you leave your car and the gas is going to run out eventually. Yeah. And so depending on where that's coming from for each person, you know, that's the thing. That's why it's like so personal. There's not a one size fits all for everybody. Sometimes some people like, hey, yeah, I need to go run like three miles before I can like sit down and breathe. Cool. Do it. Some people it's like I actually need to not move around. I need to lie down, put my hands on my stomach and get a full belly breath in to activate my, you know, my parasympathetic receptors in the lower third of my lungs. Crazy. That answered your question at all, but it totally did. And more. Where? Can people go to 
acquire your services or see what's going on with you or what you're working on and all of that stuff? Are I mean, are you heavy on social media or have a website? Yeah. So I, I, I do do the social media thing as much as sometimes I hate it. It's a blessing and a curse, but my Instagram is Casey underscore Maro, M-A-U-R-O. Um, I have a YouTube channel as well. And I think it's just called Casey Morrow, C-A-S-E-Y-M-A-U-R-O. And my website is, yet again, CaseyMorrow.com. So there's a lot of um, information up there. And my YouTube channel has little like five, 10 minute practices, um, you know, either breathing or a little bit of movement type of things. And my Instagram, I do a what's for lunch series to give you some ideas about, Hmm. you know, meals that you can create. And I always, I highlight a specific herb or food and tell you why. I think it's important to understand why we're doing certain things. And then we're more inclined to continue to do these things. Like, you know, I just posted, say, a meal that I cooked and I used rosemary. And why did I decide to put rosemary in it? Well, it's actually really great for your immune system. It's a really great... um, DNA methylation modulator. So to help with your memory and brain fog and things like that. And it's like, oh, next time I'm cooking, now that I know there's like a reason to add rosemary, maybe I will sprinkle a little on. And then slowly it becomes a habit and it becomes part of your daily day and it's all good. Yeah, that's all really cool. Um, So I feel like I've taken up enough of your time. I know the quarantine is going on and everything, but um. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on here and hanging out with me. And uh, hopefully some of my listeners will go check out your your website and social media and everything. Um, and yeah, you're awesome to talk to. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. If you have any questions about anything, like feel free to hit me up. I like I love sharing knowledge as much as I can. So please like do not hesitate to reach out again. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Casey Morrow. See ya.